Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Hi, Olivia. Hey, Micah. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good now. Emotional morning, and luckily we've been hanging out for like an hour now already because yeah. we're our brains are crazy, and hanging out with you always cheers me up, my friend. Aw, does to me as well. Uh, we're going to nerd yeah. out hard today. Today's yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. We're doing a little half-year in-review situation of the best, most popular, most insightful links so far this year in 2021, which is hilarious. I didn't even notice this. Like, it really is the six-month mark. We're going to be releasing this on the 2nd of July, which means we have six full months under our belt. Like, wow. this is, timing is crazy. That is wild. We So we did this, you know, if you were around in December of last year, we kind of did this as like a year-end review thing. And it was very fun because we got to revisit some of the really best links that we had found and you know it's easy to like forget about cool links from the last few months mm -hmm. and also for our sanity we're going to be taking a break and just like working on stuff but taking a break from the podcast for a month right yes yes we're still deciding our return date it might be the very last week of july it might be the first week of august so certainly stay tuned for that but i think it'll help us get some time to work on other really exciting stuff the newsletter will still be coming out uh, so all that fun stuff will be sent to your inbox but you won't be hearing us chat about it every week unfortunately which but, is fine we're humans everybody needs fine. a break like it'll, exactly. it'll be good it'll I'm let you miss us yeah I'm going on vacation, Micah's moving, you know, life stuff. You know, since we are talking about things that are fairly timeless in our newsletter today, for example, the links are something that you can refer to at any given time, whereas usually we might have something that feels more like type and design news. I wanted to share some of my own great things I've discovered this week. One of them mm -hmm. being just before this podcast started recording, my mailwoman came over and delivered uh, a book I've been waiting for for a little bit, which I'm really excited about. It's called The Ultimate Guide to the Bezier Method. It's a little zine by Ade Hogue, and it's about 20 pages-ish, and it's lovely. I mean, it really takes you through the basics of what Bezier curves are, which I think we all know, and then just best practices and using the pen tool, a little refresher on all the different, you know, pen tool variations that you have in Illustrator, and really how he, as a very talented lettering artist, will go from just, you know, a simple geometric form to maybe a beautiful, luscious uppercase C. So I am really excited to dive into this. This is the second edition. It is printed risographed copy, so it's very beautiful, and added to my little learning collection that I have in my design library. So very excited. I'll keep you guys updated on what I learn. And also this week, I started listening to Ono oh Radio, which is mm. a little podcast by James Edmondson of Ono oh Type Co. He's a very talented type designer. And it's, it's, it's a great podcast to, have to add to your repertoire if you want some different perspectives in type design, but also design in general. Very casual conversations with maybe more established designers, but also up and coming artists that you might not have even known about. So I think he like gives a platform to a variety of designers out there and 
pretty entertaining. We do like that. That sounds fun. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I got. Are you ready to dive into the links this week, Micah? I am flipping ready. Okay, let's do it. What's our first link? Our first link, I definitely remember sharing this, and I was very excited about it because it just feels like an endless resource, but it's from Lapa Books, which I don't know anything about the website, but it is a collection of free essential books for unicorn designers, which I love because it's, A, I remember us talking about it and being like, shoot, really? All of these books are free? There's a lot here. And they are indeed all free, which is just crazy and awesome. And it covers all manner of useful topics. There's a handful of pages here where, you know, there's books on typography and combining typefaces and Vietnamese type and how to set type on the web. And there's also other books about a user experience and legal stuff and growing your business and how to freelance and like all of the stuff that kind of circles all of the topics that we all care so much about there's like a a free resource for for all of these things which is just so cool very cool. you know i love i love learning i love reading a book yeah and i think that like even visiting this for the second time this year i'm just finding different resources than i even noticed last time for example I know a lot of you listeners are very interested in understanding Git. There is a book called Pro Git on here that helps you understand how Git can help with your workflow and, you know, meet your every need, as they say. So that's something that I think a lot of you guys would be interested in diving into. Oh, Pro Git. That's fine. I totally missed this because I have seen it before. And and it's also like this is I use this book when I forget a git command and I Google it oh. and end up on this book and I'm like, oh, yep, that's it. Wow. And the, one of the people who wrote it is like, it was a huge name, probably is still a huge name in git and programming and whatnot. Look at that. I mean, Good there's find. Just, What the heck? I mean, it's there's so much to look at that a lot of things get lost. I do also want to give a shout out to the Vignelli canon. When we actually shared this link was, I think, the week we talked about the Massimo Vignelli way of designing and way of using typography. A new discovery I made on this site is a book called Types of Type by Amanda Louis. And it's a comparison, Korean and English characters. And the book is in web form. So it's kind of formatted to look really great on the web. And is a really beautiful site that is really easy to navigate and can certainly teach you a little bit about Hangul as well. And history. Like there's, there's a lot of cool interactive history beyond just like the letter forms and anatomy and stuff like that in this too for sure yeah definitely something i want to save and maybe we something we share out individually at some point in the future yeah great find great find yeah so that this is a this is an awesome collection because it is free and there's a lot to learn oh yes another great free resource to tap because we know our audience loves free resources but so do we is Shillington's 50 Essential Free Resources for Graphic Designers 2021. A really great overview of a variety of free resources, including how to find stock images, free illustrations, free icons, fonts, everything that can hopefully help you make a full thought out and and created project. And I think that many people found it useful, and I'm sure you'll find something new on here as well. This is great. You know, I mean, this is a thing that I think 
we have talked about starting to do too in the next section of the year is starting to collect some of these great resources just because we share so many resources we find so many resources and it's often tough to like remember them and bookmark them and like go back Mm -hmm. to them when you need them you think it's interesting and you'll tell yourself you're gonna remember it and then you're gonna forget it yeah so that's why i love these roundups i wish i had something like this when i was a student just kind of you know is a collection of so many great resources that you just might not even know about as a student. No one might no one might be able to tell you. Your professors might not be in the know about some of these resources. So instead of like just like Googling free mock-up and have to search through 20 not so great websites to find something that works, it's like, whoa, okay, here are vetted sites that will help you get what you need to get done efficiently and with some quality. Yeah, indeed. In heck indeed. Love it. Amazing. All right. Going down the list. This one's one of my favorites from the list, and it is the Fonts in the Wild resource. I think this was shared way back in wintertime, maybe a January or a February find. <laughs> but really fun. Similar idea to Fonts in Use, if you guys are familiar. It shows really just a variety of examples of design from this one's mostly just web design with different typefaces in it and then it kind of credits what typefaces were used so you can go find that typeface yourself and try it out just really great inspiration if you're feeling stuck and i think really helpful again for people that want to kind of see what else is out there and maybe experiment with new typography and get inspired i always i i think you know when i'm looking for fonts this is how i try to look for them like, mm-hmm. seeing how somebody else has used a font is way more inspirational for me than just seeing what the font looks like. For sure. I feel like that's something we talk about when we look at type specimens promoting new typefaces. It's like, mm-hmm. you can make a huge scale version of one of your letter forms, and even if it's beautiful, it's hard to imagine how that could be put into use. But when specimens kind of show how, you know, this typeface looks on packaging or a movie poster, it feels so much more engaging. You know, that's the thing I regret taking off of our website. Like when when I did the redesign, it was always sort of a thing where we intended to bring it back and then kind of got distracted with other things and never did. But I miss being able to see how our fonts have been used. I've always loved the thought and hope that we could maybe like open that up and let people share how they have used the fonts. I would love that. Yeah, for sure. Something that I also want to point out about this site is it's different than fonts in use. As much as I love fonts in use, sometimes you're looking at a lot of fonts that maybe are really outdated and haven't been digitized because they have like pretty old examples of graphic design, or you're looking at fonts that might be like hundreds of dollars to license. So on the top uh, navigation bar for fonts in the wild, you can sort it by free fonts. So that's if you're on a budget, by Google fonts, if you need something to be open source, or by Adobe fonts. And that's like, you know, if you have an Adobe subscription, you can get easy access to these fonts as well. So it feels like really pragmatic and practical, especially for, you know, younger, more novice designers that are looking for inspiration. I'm glad you mentioned that because I got so distracted scrolling down and looking at all the cool stuff that I didn't even realize that was there. Yeah, pretty smart way to kind of help people out. I love it. 
Great. All right. Those were our fun resources. And while the next two are resources, they're more schools of thought that can help you kind of ruminate on the more philosophical edges of typography. And scientific edges, I think, as well, which is pretty interesting. Mm. The first article is from Typography Guru. This was shared during our legibility versus readability uh, newsletter special. It is titled, How Do We Read Words and How Should We Set Them? I love it because it brings up right away the idea of the booma, which I mm. learned fairly recently, I think this past year, which is just another word for word shape. But pretty interesting that that, that word shape has a word, especially because <laughs> I could have used that when you know we're doing crits in design school or in typography class because boomas are quite relevant. And so it talks about that, but it mostly talks about like the science behind how we read and how that can influence how we typeset, which is pretty interesting. Basically, people for a long time thought that we read by word shape, you know, that we see upper and lowercase word. Let's say we see apple with an uppercase A, and then the apple also has some descenders and ascenders. And by seeing that shape, we can decode that that word is apple, and that's how we read. And all of this is happening within milliseconds in our brain. But science has kind of dug into that misconception and came out with the conclusion that we do not read by word shape. We actually read by recognizing letters individually. So the whole idea behind um, us reading by word shape would automatically mean that all caps is less legible than upper and lowercase, which mm, is pretty because interesting. Because they're, they're then more similar in size and shape, right? Exactly. Because all caps renders word shapes or boomas to be rectangles for the most part. Where if you have a mixed case, it renders word shapes to be much more unique and discernible. But once we find out that we actually read by reading individual letters, we learn that uppercase letters are, you know, still legible and readable and just as much as upper and lowercase letters in many scenarios. That is not like black and white. That is not the hard and fast rule. We've talked about, Mega, that people, when they start reading text in a certain type style that becomes the most legible way for them to read text. So we read most of our text in an upper and lower case, you know, kind of Roman type style. In Germany in the 1900s, you're reading most text upper lowercase black letter. So like the letter forms that we're familiar with today would actually be less legible for them back then because they just weren't used to it. So, so much of our legibility has to do with what we're used to. And so if we read a whole novel and it's all uppercase, it's possible like the first few pages we're going to struggle through because we're not used to it. But then eventually we would actually might be, be getting acclimated to it and be able to read it just fine and not think about it too much. That like inherently makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like talked about that and, and you know, made that thing sitting on the table, but it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so they talk about the way our eye works and some of the more scientific vision behind it. They also talk about that uppercase letters actually have more distinction across their alphabet than lowercase letters do, which is interesting that they talk about like a lowercase e and a lowercase o and a lowercase single story a might actually blur together under bad viewing conditions. But they also mention that uppercase letters need a little bit more spacing between all the letters to be more visible to the eye because possibly because the booma is very regular 
but also it just helps see the individual shapes of the uppercase letters, which makes sense. I think when we track mm-hmm. out letter forms, we're very rarely tracking out uh, lowercase letter forms unless it's like on really small text. We're more often tracking out uppercase letter forms to have the letter forms breathe a little. And so the last scenario that they are thinking through in this article is... All right, what if we take one paragraph of upper and lowercase and then take one paragraph of all uppercase and we blur them both out? Well, that'd almost be like if you're looking at these letter forms from 50 feet away, what is that going to look like? Because your mm-hmm. your vision's going to blur. And actually the upper and lowercase, as you might suspect, becomes much more legible. It's still not super legible, but... In instances where you have a barrier to vision and your vision is impaired, like from seeing for a long distance, that's when you actually use the boomas to make out what things say. So it's kind of like uh, your backup vision once you can't read individual letter forms. Mm, That's an interesting way to think of it. Yeah. And to be fair too, this, like the majority of this article is talking about paragraphs right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Which certainly exactly. would be different than, you know, a short word form in like, you know, a logo on a building mm-hmm. from a distance or something. And so For that's sure. that's one of those nuances that it's like, oh, you really should like research how the context matters in your design as you're learning these things. And I, I certainly feel like we touched on some of this during our legibility versus readability, but I just want to get a little bit more in depth Next time, you have to justify one over the other, mixed case or all uppercase. Yeah, yeah, cool. such a, such a good article. I love I love this science based stuff because it just makes you feel more confident. You know, yeah, like there's reasoning yeah. behind the decisions that you're inherently making or like feel weird about. Like there are exactly. reasons. Exactly, exactly, and I certainly think that this kind of remains relevant for even people outside of designers because like most people oh. are typesetting in some way, shape, or form doesn't have to be in a design platform and how you do that is for sure be true now is actually kind of a cool time to take a break and say hey thank you to our sponsors thank you to adobe for helping to sponsor this week's episode their creative suite is one of the standards of design software and comes with a subscription to like a giant library of fonts that you can install embed use pretty much however you like We've even got a few of our fonts in their library as well, if you're looking for those. And uh, we are grateful for them supporting the community with us. Totally. And thanks, too, to our members. Um, If you don't know, we've got a small and wonderful membership where for a tiny amount every month, you get awesome extra resources in our weekly typographic emails every week. Those are cool fonts that we found that you might want to add to your arsenal. Current jobs or gigs you might be interested in. Um, At the moment, it's only $5 a month, and we're upgrading a bunch soon. So hop in now if you want to get those goodies next week. Go all. All right. Our last article. I love this one. And Micah, you remember this being quite memorable as well. Mm -hmm. And it is, why does a design look good? Very big (laughs) question, which is fun. It's kind of an extension on exactly what we were just talking about, right? Which is like, you know, there's, there's things that maybe as a designer, if you're out there, you know, typesetting or making layouts, it's not even specific to typesetting in this article. Maybe you're like inherently doing things that there is actually reasoning behind. Exactly. And I think 
explains that phenomenon in an interesting way. The article takes a look at things like typography, spacing, hierarchy, and color, and uses websites around the web that are that are well typeset and kind of reverse engineers what makes them successful and what makes them pleasing to look at and what makes them really legible. And that's things like pointing out, you know, consistent icon styles or letting that is quite lofty because if you're reading on the web, you might need a little bit more of that than in print. It talks about certain alignments can help, you know, make certain hierarchy work best. And I love the one where they talk about Spotify and they show that the kind of padding between the images is very consistent and kind of gets scaled up when you need more padding. So sometimes the padding is two times, you know, say the horizontal padding is two times the vertical padding, which uh, is a really great tip if you are unclear about how to space things. I love that too. I When I first was studying design, I guess I had a book, I think it was like the 100 Laws of Design or something like that. And one of those, they called the same idea here, chunking, Mm. which is to like, you know, use proximity, you know, closeness or distance in a layout to signify, you know, something in the content. Mm -hmm. And that combined with the idea of being consistent about it is kind of how you make a whole design feel cohesive and usable. Exactly. I mean, it, and it's stuff that seems obvious, but new designers usually really struggle with it because it seems so obvious they might not even pay that much attention to it and then their thing just doesn't look quite right and they can't figure out why and that's because maybe they didn't even take like didn't even think about their margins which you know I remember design used to get explained to me as just relationships like your design layout is a relationship between the type between the color between the spacing every part of that cannot be taken for granted because they are all communicating something whether that's minute or whether that's quite significant so I think this is taking that idea and then bringing it into you know color palettes and spacing and typography even talking about you know using typefaces various attributes like using small caps to kind of convey something that is a subhead of the same typeface while you don't need to be mixing a lot of typefaces, kind of having variety of how your type is used, whether that's by color, whether that's by upper and lowercase, whether that's by small caps, you start realizing that like there is so uh, many possibilities about creating hierarchy with typography that is not obvious unless you start kind of moving things around and taking a look at what's out there. Yeah. I think one of the things too that I have always tried to harp on is exactly, exactly what you're kind of getting at is that you can come up with a relationship between different elements by just making a system out of it by being like Mm -hmm. this is two times this and you can you know if you pick one of those things like the starting point could probably be arbitrary most of the time Mm -hmm. but if you make the spacing between things some numerical relationship to the size of your font yeah and then the letting is some percentage, you know, like two times or 50% or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's how you get that, like, that, like, invisible polish that you yeah. look at a great design and you're like, I don't understand why this looks so good. And it's because mm-hmm. there is some contrast where things mm-hmm. are different and some affinity where they're similar. And that's your favorite way to talk about design. It is. But, I mean, like, I also think it matters because... 
every designer has a client. And if you're trying to justify certain things or even something like scale, which just, you know, is one of the first elements that we think about when we're designing. You can say, okay, these headings are 150% of the subheads and, you know, it doesn't become overpowering because we changed the weight, etc. But it, it helps justify things in terms that other non-designers can understand. And it creates a rationale that I think actually helps you down the road. That's such a good point. I never really thought about that. You yeah. know, like as a, as a client, if... You know, if I was the client and the designer said to me that the heading is 150%, I'd be like, oh, shoot, that sounds scientific. There's probably a good reason for that. Right? I guess I'll trust you. <laughs> right? Right? And I like thinking about it, too, because, like, when I'm making adjustments to certain designs, you know, clients always want the logo to be bigger. But, you know, you can you can justify certain things by, hey, if I scaled this up, I scaled this up by 120%. It has a significant, you know, marking because everything else went down 90%. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm, That's like, yeah. you're talking in terms that aren't just like, yeah, I dragged the move arrow on Illustrator <laughs> a, a smidge, you know? So I think that right. certainly has helped me throughout the years to be thinking about that and like can also give feedback to designers that might be working under you as well i don't know about you but i i have gotten in habits over the years of like what numbers i choose That's I, like i i almost always use the golden ratio number of mm. 1.618 mm, wow and and there's you know there's no specific reason for that it was just like oh you know everybody loves the golden ratio and i read some article about you know how the mathematically that turns into 1.618196 i have no idea but it can kind of be rounded and then i was like oh shoot we can like make a pattern out of this and mm -hmm. now it's just kind of a habit where you know i mean that ratio could change between projects for whatever reason mm -hmm. but it's kind of useful sometimes to have a go to like that you know yeah. No, I mean, that's 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 smart. I feel like I don't operate like that yet, but I love that you're bringing the golden ratio. I often forget right? about that, even though that's like design school 101. But I don't remember learning about that in design school, if I'm honest. I don't remember really? any teacher bringing that up. I feel like that was one of those things that I accidentally discovered on the internet, and then I was like, oh, wait, really? I'm realizing I think the golden ratio was brought up when I was in my foundational year in school when we weren't allowed to touch computers when we were doing painting and drawing for like mm. a solid year. I feel like that's when they're like, and this ratio, you will see it in all this beautiful art. See, I went to, uh, well, yeah, I don't mind saying it. I went to a pretty awful art school in the beginning. They were they were good for a handful of things, but my foundation year was like it, it was like fifty percent of what I've talked to every other art student as as they covered. Mm-hmm. I see. Well, you know, it all works out in the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was hopefully a fun roundup of stuff that you know. I'm I'm glad that we did this so that I could remember some of these things. Right. Good <laughs> and hopefully tips. you you feel the same way too. You know. For sure. And people are always asking for suggestions on you know just things that I think we take for granted. Like how do you know what your letting should be or why does this site look so good? And now it's like okay you can direct someone to this. And I think all the resources that we shared today are not just for designers. They can be easily shared with a lot of people. Which is also why I think this is significant. True, true, true. I love it. All right, All right so the plan is we're going to keep uh, having newsletters for the next few weeks, but we will be back with the podcasts in, in a few weeks. Yeah, it'll go by so, so fast. 
promise. <laughs> Stay awesome, and we'll see you on your in your inbox.